0: Are you looking for a rewarding career that pays well and offers vacation days from the start? If so, then drive for Penske. Penske is hiring safe, experienced truck drivers to operate their fleet of more than 300,000 vehicles for dedicated routes. Join our Penske team and drive the difference. Talk to a Penske representative today to find out what jobs are available in your area and apply now. Call 855-CDL-PENSKE. That's 855-235-7367.
2: That's solid.
0: That's not veneer. That's solid stuff.
1: Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive casualty insurance company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or
2: situations. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the NBA Podcast. I'm Brian Toporic, and we're going to continue our division previews today with the Southeast Division. Before we get underway, just wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all of our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some reviews, we would love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter, at FanRagSports, and for their NBA content, at FanRag NBA. Joining me today, as always, are my two co-hosts, Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. How's it going, you two?
0: Brian, I was doing so well until I saw our podcast's official Twitter account follower uh, amount. <laughs> We are under 200 people out there. What the hell are you doing? Come on. <laughs> yeah,
2: give us some follows, people. The yeah. NBA pod on Twitter. We gotta because eat, up.
0: people. We gotta eat.
1: <laughs> the Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Moon. Yeah. That's Hugo tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. hi This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my
2: heart. Thank you. Progressive
1: Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or
2: situations. That's true. Yep. My dog does not feed himself, unfortunately. Um, Sarah, how's it going with you?
3: Going well, thank you.
2: That is good to hear. We also have a special guest today joining us from All You Can Heat and Hoops Habit. We have Alana Tahauer. Alana, how's it going?
4: Great. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk some basketball with all of you.
2: For sure. Did I totally butcher the pronunciation no, of that? No, name there? you did nice. good.
4: I'm proud. Thank you. All right,
2: cool. Uh, so <laughs> let our listeners know where they can find you on Twitter and then where else they can find your work.
4: Yeah, so on Twitter, it's just Alana Tahour. um, So that's A L L A N A T A C H A U E R. Um, And then, like you said already, I'm on All You Can Heat and Hoops Habit, which are both under fan sided.
2: Very cool. All right. So we are going to get underway. We'll start with your heat, Alana. And I want to start. My favorite
4: topic ever.
2: (laughs) That's why we brought you on. (laughs) Uh, I want to actually start with who I see as the X factor for this team this year, and that's Justice Winslow. You know, he hurt his shoulder in January, but before that, he was still kind of underwhelming as a sophomore. It was Mm -hmm. almost like a competition between him and Stanley Johnson, who could be more underwhelming from that 2015 (laughs) draft class. So, you know, he's heading into his third year. He's supposed to be healthy. Uh, He's going to face some competition for playing time. They have a, a bunch of kind of versatile guys who can plug in at either the two and mm-hmm. the three. So what do you see from justice this year? Do you think he wins the starting gig? Do you think he gets to put his slow start to his NBA career behind him? Or do you think I'm, this is kind of who he is?
4: I'm personally still keeping the faith of him um, just because he is such a good kid. Um, and I know that doesn't necessarily mean anything when it comes to telling on the court, but you can tell how badly he just wants to prove everyone wrong Um, And I think that, you know, there people have made a lot of comparisons between him and Kawhi Leonard. um, But I actually kind of see it more as like a Jimmy Butler type of story Mm
3: -hmm. where, you
4: know, he didn't really get a lot of opportunity um, or enough opportunity coming in. And, you know, Butler didn't go through an injury, but he didn't he wasn't given playing time. um, Whereas, you know, Winslow had to go through that injury. So I'm hoping that this year he's going to you know bounce back and prove everyone wrong. Um, like you were saying, it's going to be a little bit tricky to see what his role will be just because he missed out on a lot of, you know, the chemistry being built last season. Um, but you can definitely tell that both, uh, Pat Riley and Eric Spolster have a lot of faith in him. And I think they're going to work with him to, you know, make sure that he, he has a consistent role and that he feels comfortable once he does come back.
2: Interesting. That's, that's good to hear. Cause I've actually, I was, you know, I was high on him coming into that draft and, the Boston Celtics allegedly were trying to mortgage all of their draft picks for him. So, you know, there is hope for him yet.
4: Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, you know, I think the injury couldn't have come at a worse time, to be honest, just because mm. he had so much pressure riding on him after that lackluster first year. Um, and then for that to happen, it was just kind of, you know, it was it was definitely a blow to his ego, I think. Um, but like I said, he's such a hard worker and you can really tell that, He's willing to do anything to just kind of prove everyone wrong. Um, And even he doesn't really seem the type to really need the spotlight, which is good, because I think, you know, this particular Heat team is really good at just playing team basketball. So I think he'll find a role. It's just going to take a little bit of time.
2: Yeah, I think that makes sense. They don't need him to be like a 20 point per game scorer, And kind of the same thing with Stanley Johnson, like they ideally will profile... I don't know if 3 and D guy is the right term because neither one is a great three-point shooter yet but like right. they're in that mold where like a complimentary offensive player make your money on defense and then whenever you give out offense that's great right um they the heat, you know they justice started slow and had kind of a disappointing year but they actually did have some good years from both Goran Dragic and Hassan Whiteside so Mord I want to ask about Goran first because you've been watching Eurobasket and he's been lighting it up over there what do you expect from him this season? Do you think that that star of turn at Eurobasket is going to carry over?
0: Yeah, I, I probably a little bit more of the same than last year. He's, he's still a phenom- phenomenal player, and I'm so glad that he kind of broke out again last year because he signed that big deal, kind of underperformed for a long while, and then last year after Winslow's injury more or less he started picking up some steam and started scoring a little bit more and that's just when he was when he's at his best it seems like when you try to put him in a past first mentality things just go awry for him he really needs to score the ball get into the lane be like the Manu Ginobili clone that we sort of picked into a couple years ago and Mm -hmm. he's doing that at Eurobasket as well and playing alongside Luca Doncic as well and and he seems to have found a pretty good balance between when giving Lucas shots and when he has to assert himself. And I think that will carry over uh, to another season. So I'm expecting another 26 for him for the upcoming year.
2: Just to be clear, 20.6 assists. Obviously. Yeah, okay. Well, 26, <laughs> I, I'm like... I'm oh, no, not, not 26. Into, yeah. yeah,
0: 20. Right. Six. Right, right. <laughs> right,
2: right, right. Okay, cool. Uh, All right, then, Sarah, Hassan Whiteside, let's talk about him for a second because he's turned into one of Kawhi Leonard's biggest threats for Defensive Player of the Year, or so he hopes. He always (laughs) lobbies for that award. Uh, What do you see for Hassan this season? He also broke out in a big way last
3: year. Yeah, his numbers just keep going up, 17 points, 14 rebounds, two blocks per game. I don't see any let-up in that honestly uh (laughs) ideally to see maybe the free throw percentage keep going up but I mean actually I have a question for Alana because I know some people who have complained about his screen setting is that a gripe that you have as well and what would you like to see him improve next year um yeah I mean I think that's an
4: interesting one because for me I was just kind of so happy to see him improve in so many other ways that I think um I kind of that doesn't bother me as much just because I think everyone has their, you know, strengths and weaknesses. Um, But what I will say about that is I think he's much more open to criticism now than he used to be. Um, I think he had kind of a chip on his shoulder coming in just because he was overlooked so much um, by, you know, by the league. He was sent overseas and then he was in the D league for a while. Um, So I think now he's more open to the fact that, you know, people are recognizing his talent, but there is still room for improvement. And even, you know, Just from watching what he's been doing on his Snapchats, even he's really putting (laughs) in the work and he, you know, he's even trying to shoot some threes. Will that actually carry over to the season? Probably not. But he's definitely trying to expand his game. So I think that, you know, the people who are bothered by that, um, I think it is probably something that he'll take into consideration moving forward. That's good.
2: Yeah, that's that's interesting. I I really hope we start seeing him take threes. That would be fantastic.
4: And <laughs> he's looking good on snap. So I mean, if he wants to go ahead, I'm I'm fine with that. Uh, at least to try it out a little bit. But I don't I don't think that's where his you know his focus should be by any means.
2: Right. Probably. So let, that actually leads into my next question because the Heat they actually brought in a stretch big man in Kelly Linnick for mm-hmm. years, fifty million. They basically handed out money like. It was just going away because uh, they also signed Dion Waiters to four years, $52 million, James Johnson to four years, $60 million. This is all after Gordon Hayward spurned them to sign with the Celtics. Uh, that was their first choice. And they just inked Josh Richardson to a four-year, $42 million extension. Yep. So do you think they're going to grow to regret any of those deals, or do you think they're all pretty sound?
4: Um. Well, I guess what I'll say first is that I think James Johnson and De'Anne Waiters 100% um, are worth the money. I think that they've shown such tremendous growth, um, and they, even though they had great seasons, I think that the, the ceiling's much higher for both of them. I think that this year's going to be way better even than last season was for them, Um I think in terms of Jay Rich's contract, for me, it's less about the money and more that the fact that I think that's going to help his game improve. Just for the fact that it shows that they have confidence in him. He's a player who gets in his head a lot, um, and I think that he struggled a lot with that um, towards the end of last season. So I think now that you know the organization clearly has has done something to to. Put it in motion that, you know, they trust him long term. I think that's really going to help him. Um, whether or not that, you know, figure a little steep. Yeah, for now, I think it is. Um, and I don't know if they'll regret it. But I think for them, that was more just to show him, you know, hey, we believe in you rather than, you know, the dollar sign. Um, In terms of Olenek, I wasn't very pleased with that, to be honest. Um, I think... He's the kind of guy who, and I think Tyler Johnson said it too, you hate playing against him. So, you know, from a <laughs> fan perspective, I'm not, I wasn't excited to have him aboard just because, you know, he he is kind of known as a dirtier player, Um, but I think he does go really hard for the team that he's on. Um, So as long as he, you know, grows to have good chemistry with these guys, that shouldn't be a problem. And I think that even if he doesn't stay long-term, I feel like that contract's still movable enough I don't think they really dug themselves in a hole with that one necessarily um, because, you know, he is regarded as a as a pretty good player. And I think that one would be easy to move if need be.
2: If, if nothing else, you prevent Hassan Whiteside from getting his shoulder dislocated.
4: Well, yeah, that too. I mean, I guess you, you take away that that uh, risk factor by having him play for you instead. So that's a great point.
2: <laughs> right. Although I guess he's going up against him in practice. So maybe there's even more of a risk.
4: That, you know, that they seem like done. they're they're good friends already, though. Hassan had him over for dinner a couple times. Um, so it does seem like they're you know, the, the chemistry is there. It's just that kind of did surprise me. Um, I, I didn't really expect that from the heat. But I mean, that I trust Paraly 100 percent. So if he sees something, then I'm you know, I'm all into it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. Like, on paper, I don't find fault with any of those contracts, including Jay Rich. I might just be irrationally high on him, but I think he's really, you know, a great player, and I think mm. he could be starting. I think there's definitely room for growth. I mean, his field goal percentage has not been stellar to start his career, but, like, there aren't many players in the league who can average at least one three, one block, and one steal a night, and he is one of them, right. so... I think he provides a nice combination of offense defense. Um more, more I I mean this in the nicest way possible, but I kind of feel like the Heat are now Portland East. Like they spent all this money and they're now capped out and like I have them comfortably in the playoffs this year, but I don't know how they turn into a top 3 team in the East. Do right. you think there's a way they can get there or are you on my in my camp with that one. I'm
0: in your camp. Here's the thing. Actually, to answer the previous question as well regarding the contracts, because that plays into this one. In, in a nutshell, like in a vacuum, each contract signed was decent. The problem is that it happened on the same team. So mm. you don't really have a superstar leading that whole pack. You have a bunch of great uh, role players, you know, starters as well. A, a role player can't be a starter. I'm That's the hill I'm going to die on. <laughs> uh, you know James Johnson, Dion Waiters, Kelly Olynyk, fine players, fine deals. It's just that you kind of locked up that team for a long while with no flexibility moving forward. So you kind of have to hope that Dion turns into something that you probably didn't expect to, or that James Johnson builds on what he's done already. And like James, I believe is thirty, so his value is probably mm-hmm. not even going to be significantly higher, even if he does improve further. So the real bet here is Dion Waiters, to some extent Olenek, and then as you mentioned, Josh Richardson. Josh is the big man here. He's the guy who has to just break through everything and become at least like a pseudo-level all-star for this thing to really work and for the Heat to become like a top three team. Um, Having Mm -hmm. said that, even if they don't, I'm kind of liking this group. It's easy to root for this one.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, when you, it's it's good guys. It seems like the ball is moving. They're sharing the you know the load, and uh, you don't have this one guy asking for fifteen thousand shots a game, which they kind of need. But at the same time, it's refreshing that they don't have it. There's a there's a slight two thousand and four Pistons vibe to this team, mm. just without the results, probably. But hell, I can <laughs> get behind that, I can get behind that team, and you know if if by yeah, February or March, Dwayne Wade comes back to that group, mm-hmm. why not?
2: Yeah. And, I mean, you didn't even mention Tyler Johnson. He's another one, Tyler right? as well. You know?
0: like he, yeah. He, what, what is he now, like 24?
2: Yeah, somewhere around there, 23, yeah. 24.
0: That's plenty of time.
2: Yeah, I mean, they definitely have a lot of good young players, so it's not... This isn't a slight against the team-building strategy, because, like... I don't know what, uh, you know, option A was get Gordon Hayward. Option B was retain the core that just finished the season 30 and 11. And I don't know what option C was because they they didn't have the cap space to go out and sign a bunch of new players. Like, you just had to use your bird rights and go over the cap to retain everyone. So it's not, I don't want to sound, like, overly critical of Pat Riley here. He, you know, he didn't really have a third choice, but... I just, I'm a little worried about, you know, I, I just don't see a championship ceiling for this team, but, like, that might not matter. Maybe he just is okay with, like, you know, my team's going to be in the playoffs every year. If things break right, we could make it to the second round or even make it to the conference finals, you know, if Justice Winslow really improves, and Bam Jay is Rich, stuff. if Deion Winders. Yeah. Bam, I'm right? so yeah.
4: excited about him.
2: Yeah, yeah. So t- talk to us about Bam for a second, Lana. What do we, uh, what do you it- think about him?
4: It's funny because um, on draft night, Heat Twitter exploded when they took Bam. We were all like, what? Like, who is this kid? <laughs> what are we doing? Um, and then, like, right when, you know, things started getting released about him, including, like, his stats and just, like, video clips from, you know, college and whatever, we were all like, oh, okay, never mind. Like, we all take back, you know, <laughs> not even our criticism, but just our surprise. Um, And seeing him in Summer League, like, he's a yeah. beast. Yep. It's going to yeah. take time. um, But I think... Having him around, and I li- I liked Willie Reed, but, you know, Willie was not as versatile by any means. Um, and I think Bam can play alongside Hassan. I think he can back him up. I think there's a lot you can do with him. Um, and he's so young, too, that, I, I don't know, I think that was a great move. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to see what he can do.
0: Yeah, he got told yeah. in Kentucky a lot. Like this, mm-hmm. I, I feel as though, and I'll, I'm going to show my age right now, but I remember Joey Dorsey <laughs> from Memphis back in. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. In Late 2000s, yeah, 2007, yeah. 2008. Like they, you know, John Calipari Perry had Bam play a similar role to Joey Dorsey, mm-hmm. and that just was that was kind of ridiculous because Bam has a much more diverse skill set than Dorsey ever had, and I think that's kind of why that he was available at 14. I mean, he could probably have been picked a little bit higher. Um, whether he's a, like a legitimate four man, not sure. I think he probably is going to spend a lot of time, you know taking both the four and the five and mm-hmm. down the line I wouldn't be surprised if he is a true center. However, I still think he has the the potential to go out and like hit him fifteen footer, seventeen footer maybe. That jump shot seems to or the jump shot mechanics rather, they seem to be there. So um his ceiling is yeah, and higher. I-
4: I think it's important, too, to have guys that can do different things just because um, injuries hit them so hard in the beginning of last year. And at one point they only had, I think, like three guys coming off the bench, one of who was Udonis Haslam, which, I mean, I love him. But how, you know, how much can he really do at this point? Um, So I think having, you know, players who can play different roles and come in you know alongside other guys or behind them is really important just because you never know what's going to happen. Hopefully, you know the injuries don't don't come like they did last season, but you really you don't know what happens in this way. You know, there's a little bit more of an insurance policy on, you know, having a, a more more guys available off the bench.
2: Yeah. That, I mean, there's it's hard to gripe with their depth if nothing else. Like I, they've got a, they go at least like a legitimate 10 deep. So before <laughs> we move on, I want to ask you Alana you know, they started 11 and 30 last year. They ended 30 and 11. So, which was the real Heat team—the one that started slow and looked like they are heading to the lottery, the one that finished on a 60-win pace, or is it somewhere in the middle there?
4: You know, from the get-go, and even like three or four games in, people were calling me crazy because I kept saying, "Like, this isn't us. Like, just give it some time." <laughs> the injuries, you know, are are a huge factor. Um, chemistry needs time to build. So I, by the end, you know, it was great to see, but to be honest, I really wasn't surprised that they were able to bounce back in such a way just because the level of talent was there. It was just a matter of figuring it out and working together. Um, and like I said, they really do play team basketball. There's not really one or two guys who, you know, like we've all touched upon, need the ball all the time and need to be taking, you know, endless shots. Um, so, you know, 13-11, finishing on that note – I, I definitely wouldn't call it a fluke. Is it possible that they're going to have bumps in the road again? Absolutely, but I really wasn't surprised um, that they were able to bounce back in such a way. So, I, I'm definitely excited about them. Um, I'm, I'm higher on them than most people are. I think people are kind of going to say that they're somewhere in the middle, but I feel like they can continue this streak.
2: Interesting. That'll be a, that'll be a fun thing to watch heading into this year. Um, Absolutely. All right, let's move on to the Charlotte Hornets. I think the big story with them, they were pretty quiet over all this offseason, but they did somehow they, I mean, they basically the Atlanta Hawks just gave them Dwight Howard. Like they, they had to give up absolutely nothing of value to get <laughs> a three time defensive player of the year. So Sarah, what do you see Dwight Howard doing in Charlotte and how would you think he's gonna affect Cody Zeller in particular?
3: I'm so glad you came to me with this, Brian. <laughs> um, I, I'm just slightly, slightly worried about that that last part that you mentioned there. Um, because Zeller, one thing that he does really, really well is run the floor hard. And he creates spacing for them. Because they really don't have shooters. They didn't last year. They don't really have any more shooters this year. Lost Bellinelli, who was not great for them, but shot 36%, I think, from three, which was still second best on the team of people who took a hundred or more threes. So, yeah. Um, so they really kind of need what Cody does. Uh, it's funny when you, you know, you think, you know, from the eye test, he seems pretty good at this. And then I looked it up with uh, synergy. He's fifth in the league in transition points per possession, oh, wow. 1.5 and, uh, 96.9 is his percentile. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, so it's not that he and Dwight can't coexist. Dwight, on the other hand, is um, he's in the 83rd percentile and pick a roll roll role man. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's great to have guys who can do both. I just worry about how much you can play them together. Um, you can't pull Dwight out to the high post very much. Uh, he's not super effective out there. Maybe you can pass it a little bit, but who's going to really jump on him? You know, he's not going to shoot that elbow jumper. Uh, Cody can a little bit, So you almost have to pull him if you're going to play them together, and you get in the half court set. But last year, I think he took like 66 shots outside the the restricted area all year. So that's not really his thing either. So, and I would be slightly like I would be tempted almost to try to start Cody, bring Dwight off the bench. Oh wow! But there's a couple problems with that, a you would immediately piss off Dwight Howard, <laughs> <laughs> It right. is not like, hard how, to do these days. Yeah, yeah. yeah, how quickly can we disengage Dwight Howard pretty quickly? <laughs> um, and then on top of that, as you mentioned in our outline, Brian, they're very thin uh, behind Kemba. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Dwight being so great as a, a role man, you kind of need a guard to play off of. Um, so I don't know how much that would work. You kind of have to start Dwight, but... I don't know. I'm not psyched about it. I'd love, you know, they don't have to be mutually exclusive, having a a pick-and-roll man and a transition man. It's not that they can't coexist, but it's definitely going to take some maneuvering.
2: Yeah. I mean, a a couple of thoughts just on Dwight and then the front court in general. Like, I might be the only person left on Dwight Howard Island, (laughs) but I... I yeah, really don't think. Over
4: him. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think he gets a bad
2: rap because of like the whole Orlando thing, and then the Lakers and the Houston. And, like, so
4: basically his... everything he's done in his right. career. <laughs> <laughs> like
2: his personality and his off the court antics over the last five years have just like everyone is over him. But like mm-hmm. he wasn't that bad in Atlanta. Like I would dare say he was effective. And then for whatever reason, Mike Budenholzer just decided to not play him in the playoffs. Uh, which seemed to spell his end in Atlanta. But, like, he put up decent numbers last year. Right? I mean, the big thing with Dwight is, like, we got frustrated with him for so long because we we're like, all right, cool. You're a great rim roller and you're a great putback dunker. Like, expand your game, expand your Even offensive skill set. And he never did. But, like, at this point in his career, he's not going to. So, as long as Steve Clifford can just say, like, well, look, we don't want you posting up 10 times a game like we want to just use you as a role man basically and then just have you like gobble the offensive glass and put back whatever shots our non-shooters miss constantly that's great so like i conceptually like him there especially with kemba who's an elite pick and roll guard sarah i think you're right that the two are going to have trouble playing together which is a big problem because zeller I feel like this is going to be... I'm going to shout out James Hollis again with his them idea. (laughs) Uh, Zeller, if you're like an advanced basketball metrics guy, you realize that Zeller is like one of the best screen setters in the league, but it's not something that like jumps off the screen when you're watching, but like you go in and dig into the statistics and he really is like an unbelievable screen setter. So they're going to need that, especially because they don't have shooters that can reliably knock down shots. And Dwight... Gives a little bit less in that. Like, if he's not getting the ball, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to put forth as much effort in terms of off ball cutting and all that stuff. So, I think you do need Zeller on the court. So, it's uh, seeing how those two play together is going to be a fascinating subplot. That said, the Hornets, like, they fell into the toilet when Zeller got hurt last year. I think he missed around 20 games. They were like, you know, if, if they went on that pace the whole season, they would have threatened the Brooklyn Nets for being yeah you know, the the league's worst team. So if nothing else, like Dwight's good insurance for them, um, Sarah, I, I like your idea conceptually of putting Dwight off the bench, but as you said, he's that will just make him he's out. He's checking out immediately. So I, I you know, for what they paid to get him, it's a worthy gamble, but I you know, i I, I don't know how it's going to work out. It's definitely an open question heading into the season.
0: Yeah. And I actually have some numbers to make this even more interesting and or potentially problematic because Sellers first two season, seasons he struggled. And that was because he was mostly used as this sort of pick and pop power forward, not from three, but like 15, 17 foot range. So his average shot distance in the first two years were 8.4 and 8.8 feet from the basket. Hmm. Then that changed two years ago to 4.9 and last year 4.5 so basically he started taking more shots around the rim he started diving towards the rim a whole lot and that goes to show because in the first two years he shot well over 30 percent of all his shots from beyond 16 feet that dropped to under under 15 actually under 14 in the these last two years so if you take Mm -hmm. him away as the rim runner and the diver Yeah, then you're probably going to bring him into a role that he just has shown that he cannot play in. So you kind of solve Cody Seller beforehand. Now you just have to figure out a way to keep having him productive while also solving Dwight Howard. So there's two ways to look at it here is one, can Dwight Howard be solved? Maybe. I mean, if you solve Cody Seller in this system, Dwight might have a chance and if he doesn't, do you drop Dwight Howard in the middle of the season and go? You know what? We tried. We gave up virtually nothing for him. We can put, we can just we can ship him off for virtually nothing again, and then just hang um. on to Seller and, and run him like that. I think that should be your mentality going in because Seller obviously is the long term priority.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: That's
2: yeah. I, I guess there's no harm in finding a taker at the trade deadline if you can. If it like just goes completely south.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure someone would be interested. I mean, there's yeah. always this lore about Dwight. Always. The Bulls. The Bulls. Oh, he say that <laughs> he's over 30. He's not right. very productive. I mean, sure, he's overpaid. It
4: makes he sense. He reminds me so much of Derrick Rose in the sense that, like, they both started out as these super hyped up guys who everyone loved, and they were so, you know, like everyone loved the way that they were off the court and on the court. They were great teammates, etc. And then just Everything fell apart in their personal lives, and now I feel like you can't rely on either of them. And, I mean, like you were saying, Brian, like, in terms of the actual stats, like, Dwight's not that bad, but you, ca- I, I just don't feel like you can rely on him for anything. He's so, like, hit or miss that do you really want to put an entire team on his shoulders again? And the same thing with Derek. I don't think he had that bad of a year, but, you know, he missed that one— Um, practice, and then went, you know, MIA, and then he never really explained himself. And it's just like, you can't rely on these guys anymore.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the off-court stuff is a legitimate concern. that I'm not going to deny that. So it's, I think, you know, Clifford has the reputation of being kind of a player's coach, and like, hopefully he can connect with Dwight. But if not, like, it, it definitely could go south. I'm not saying it can't. I'm just like, cautiously optimistic about that. One thing I am more than cautiously optimistic about is Malik Monk, yeah. who somehow inexplicably fell to 11th and goes to a team that desperately needs shooters, we, as we've been talking about. So what do you see for him this year?
0: He is the best shooter in the draft, so obviously he's going to help that line a little bit more. I mean... Him replacing Bellinelli, yeah, I'll take that. I'll definitely <laughs> yeah. take that. The problem with Monk, and that's, I mean, he's sort of like a Ben Gordon back in the day, like Bulls days. He's mm-hmm. not a creator. He's more of a guy who needs to play off of others, but then when he gets an open look, you can damn well, you know, you damn well ensure that no, that that's going down. I mean, Ben was a dynamic scorer, the same with Monk. I mean, I, I think Monk put up 47 in a game this year. Mm -hmm. as a freshman come on i mean that's ridiculous he's sneaky athletic um he has a first step that he needs to utilize a little bit more but i think that's a question of experience and and development as well so i'm not sure he's gonna have like the biggest year right off the bat but long-term perfect fit especially alongside kemba who's gonna draw in so much attention uh kemba has never been like a big assist guy I could really see that change with the arrival of Monk.
2: Mm -hmm. You know, so it actually leads into my next question here, because I kind of think Monk is going to be playing on the ball a little bit more than he did in Kentucky, and I can see him kind of doing what Devin Booker did for the Suns over the last couple months Mm -hmm. of the year. Like, not being a full-time point guard, but being at least a complimentary ball handler, especially off the bench. I mean, I'm projecting he's going to come off the bench to start the year. Um, So Alana, (laughs) our boy, everyone's favorite, Michael Carter Williams, um, is questionable for the start of the season. He got PRP on his knees, which have been problematic for a while now. So the Hornets are, like, really scary thin behind Walker. So, you know, they could use Monk as a— As a theoretical backup point guard, I don't think that's how you definitely want to use them, but you could. Um, Do you think they need to address that position over the next month or so? Or are you okay with going in and just saying, Kemba, you got to carry this team?
4: No, I mean... I think that they should have addressed it before Michael Carter-Williams even got injured. I mean, I, I feel for the guy, but he was terrible in Chicago. Um, <laughs> and I, I I know that, you know, Hoiberg, Fred Hoiberg's um, style of play is definitely not for everybody. Uh, it worked well in college. It doesn't translate to the pros, and he has a hard time letting go of that. Um, but even so, most of the guys, you know, managed to make it work while... Michael Carter Williams was just uh, it was a disaster. So I, you know, now with the injury, especially, I definitely do think that they should they need to figure something out um, because you know what if you know Kemba gets injured, then what happens? Um, It's not it's never really a great idea to pinpoint your entire offense on one guy. Even though Kemba is great and I love watching him, um, you know, I think he'll have help from guys like Monk, um, Batum, even Jeremy Lamb, but. They, I I don't know. If I were them, I would definitely try to figure something out and quick just as a backup, if nothing else.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you're going into the season counting as Michael Carter Williams as your primary backup, no matter even if he's healthy, like that's mm-hmm. not great. That, no. That's really <laughs> what well, you could probably do better than that. Um, Sarah somehow despite having no shooters the Hornets ranked 14th on offense in terms of offensive efficiency last year but where do you see them getting buckets outside of Kemba
3: (laughs) I mean yeah you asked who who can they rely on
2: Mm
1: -hmm.
3: to be consistent um I think honestly your hope is Malik Monk eventually um You know, I think it's probably not fair to expect him to put it all together at the next level right away. And he's coming off this ankle injury that, do we even know the status? Last I saw, they just said it was significant and it's still bothering him. Oh, that's Mm -hmm. right.
4: Yeah, so Uh, I don't
3: even know if he'll be ready to go right away or not. Um, But I do think that's, that's the goal eventually is for him to be that guy because looking at the roster, there's really not anybody else that you can count on to be consistent.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, Tom's
3: always been up and down. And Jeremy Lamb, you know, <laughs> Marvin Williams—you just don't know.
2: Yeah, MKG has mm. still yet to develop into the offensive player. Yeah, defensive stud, of course, but offensively leaves much to be desired. I guess Dwight and Cody Zeller are like your your hope, but that—that's what I'm worried about. That's for the a Hornets. scary thought. Yeah. Yeah. Aside from backup point guard, which is definitely the biggest concern I have for them heading into the year, I, I just a lot as you said, if Kemba goes down, it feels like this team is is going to spiral quickly. Yep. Let's move on to the Atlanta Hawks, and this is going to be a rough one because the, <laughs> the Hawks of two years ago, the sixty win Hawks of two years ago, are no more. They lost Millsap in free agency. They sold very, very, very low on Dwight Howard. So Sarah, our boy Dennis Schroeder is now the face of the franchise, in theory. Um, How do you feel about that heading into the season?
3: Not great, Brian. (laughs) Not great. (laughs) Um, I like him. He's played well at uh, Eurobasket this summer, but I've just never been a big fan. I feel like you have to pick something else up. He's got great quickness, um, but you you need like one more thing. You, he has to either add a jump shot that's consistent or he has to be a really great finisher. Like there's not that one other thing yet. He's not a great distributor. Um, I saw a lot in Eurobasket. He's running this kind of more of a pick and pop where he likes to throw it back, like a bounce pass back to a big who's kind of popped out. Um, That's nice. He was doing that well, but you also got to think like, who's he going to Give it to <laughs> right. John so. Collins. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Mort.
0: Oh yeah. Wake Forest <laughs> guy. Rookie is a, extremely productive. I think he yep. left the NCAA in PER. He was even a year younger as a sophomore. Like he was, uh, he, he's like freshman age, but has two seasons mm. of college ball. He's not a shooter. That's the problem, but he's athletic as hell and runs the floor, and he's a great interior scorer. So he has that one guy he can pass to now who can at least finish plays and score at a decent clip. But having said that, I agree with you entirely in terms of, of Shorter. Like, and we'll add one thing to it. He doesn't defend, and which is mm. extremely problematic. Remember when he came <laughs> into the league with this reputation of being a Ron- R- Rashawn Rondo clone? Well, he can't shoot, <laughs> but he can sure defend. Um. Yeah, about that.
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's he's got uh, Deadman now to throw it to. Deadman right. can catch the lob. He's a decent uh, role man.
0: <sighs> oh, just, we're, we're just yeah. searching
2: for scraps here. Like, uh-huh. Next up,
0: we're yeah, going to That be side like, just, oh, just
4: about sums it up. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's, that's the Atlanta Hawks in a nutshell. I mean, Schroeder, there's a good chance he takes at least 20 shots a game this year, and I don't see any way he's north of like 42% shooting from the field. I think it's going to be a lot of Dennis Schroeder uh, at the expense of some of their other young prospects. More since you brought up John Collins, I want to talk about their two first round picks from last year, Torian Prince and DeAndre Bembry. Bembry, uh, he tore his tricep. His- he has a strained tricep, sorry. So he's out for four to six weeks, but hopefully should be ready by the start of the season or close to it. Prince, you know he showed some flashes especially at the end of last year so do you have high hopes for those guys heading into this season
0: how could i say this delicately
2: not, <laughs>
0: uh-oh not 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 a whole lot they were drafted pretty old let's let's mm. agree on, on that one and they were not productive first of all that's a huge concern coming into the league when you are that age not having a productive season like that's a Chris Dunn problem as well <laughs> um, th- those types of players just simply do not project as being good down the line and it's not like they didn't get minutes like prince averaged almost 17 minutes for example i mean he did better as the year progressed so that's mm. something and i'm sure that they're going to improve but it's not like they're going to be huge assets unless you know boot and just pulls a rabbit out of a hat yeah i'm not really high on anyone on that roster really i mean outside of collins but i recognize as well that he's not really a a great fit for the current nba so when you really look at that team they they need michael porter jr next season
2: Mm -hmm. yeah i was at the start of the summer i was pounding the table and saying they were going to be the worst team in the nba next year but the Bulls,
0: I yeah. think
2: the, Bulls, the Bulls have them pretty well in last That's lockdowns. why I didn't
0: say Luka Dantich. The Bulls are getting yeah. Dantich,
2: <laughs> Right, right. A lot of, speaking of disappointments, Kent Bazemore, four-year, $70 million deal. Uh, in the first year of that deal, he regressed significantly from the year prior. So Tim Hardaway Jr. is gone now. The Knicks paid him $30 million more than he should have gotten. So... Bazemore, in theory, has an avenue to more playing time. Do you think he bounces back this year, or do you think the lack of established off, yeah, the established offensive options, you know, without Millsap, without Howard, do you think he kind of is who he is?
4: I mean, part of me wants to say that he kind of has to bounce back because they need, like, someone to do something. <laughs> so, like, statistically speaking, I mean, that someone could more than probably be him. Um, I I don't... Sometimes it happens, too, where I feel like guys have a lot of pressure on them after a new deal, um, and I'm not saying that's the case here, but it could have been. And especially now that they're still figuring things out, maybe there's a different type of role they could find for him. Um, obviously... They're gonna have a lot of question marks this season, um, but I I'm just gonna to try to be positive and say that you know he kind of has to bounce back, so he's going to, and he's just gonna he's gonna be the guy because there's no one else. Um, but I, I only time will tell, I guess, with that one.
2: Yeah, I mean it's really especially if Bembridge limited to start the season, they have very little in terms of established depth on the wing. So I think you're right in the sense of like. It can't be worse, because they're going to need something from him. like,
4: someone needs to step up, so he's there. Like,
2: (laughs) He's a warm body who's played in the NBA before, so that's something. Um, Sarah, they did not strangely embrace the full tank after letting, you know, you think they, like, sold Millsap for pennies. They sold Howard for pennies. They let Millsap walk. It seemed like, you know, they're going all in on the Luka Doncic train. But then they signed Deadman, they signed Ersan Ilyasova, so they have like an established front court, at least of like again guys who have played in the NBA before. Do you think? Do you think those two guys can spare them from being, you know, in the bottom three, four, five in the league?
3: Yeah, you're gonna think I'm crazy, but I don't know if I just been looking at Eastern Conference teams too long this morning. <laughs> <laughs> but, like I'm going a little crazy, but. Um, you know, I'm looking at it, and I could absolutely see that happening. You, like you said, you've been banging the drum of them being just dreadful, if not the very worst team, and then very close to it. I could see that happening, and yet there's a part of me that would not be completely surprised if Bud somehow snuck them, if not into the playoffs, at least, like, 10th in the East. <laughs> I yeah. don't know why, but um, I just think... They have some. They have some pieces. They have some junk in the truck. I mean, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Nico Brusino, Belly, yeah. Deadman, Pembry. I I still have some hope for Torian Prince. I mean, you're talking about a guy who averaged like maybe 10 minutes per game altogether until February. So yeah. just getting more reps, getting more shots up. There's something there. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Not a man. whole lot I, though. It's yeah. You're right. You're right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, Bud, is, Bud comes from the Spurs tree, you know, that's like imbued into them. You figure out how to cobble together these solid pieces into mm. so a team that's actually kind of decent uh, without being overwhelmingly talented. But uh, all that said, I'd like to look at. They were fourth in defensive rating last year. Mm. So you kind of have to think, you know, how much of that are we putting on Dwight Howard? Obviously, a lot. But they mm. did pick up Dwayne Dedman. So I'm going to throw some numbers at y'all. And this is pretty much just. To uh, stoke the ire of s- snotty dripping James <laughs> <laughs> Like he's going to just, just be so pissed. But okay. So, defensive rating for Dwight Howard last year was 100. And obviously, these numbers have a lot to do with who else they're on the floor with at the time. So, but just for fun. All right. Don't, just don't for kicks contact. and giggles. <laughs> yeah. So Dwight Dedman's defensive rating last year, 99. So, yeah. very, very comparable. Uh, defensive box plus mine is 2.8 for Dwight, 3.2 for yeah. Dwight Dedman. Oh. Um uh, and Dedman played seventeen minutes, I think he averaged last year. Dwight averaged something like I don't know, twenty nine.
0: Yeah.
3: hmm So they're per thirty six numbers. You give uh Dwight sixteen points, fifteen rebounds. Dwayne would have been at right around ten and ten. Mm.
0: Yeah.
3: Not bad. So I feel like you kinda I know. <laughs> You've always been a big a big Dwight guy. Um Yeah, and and the rest of us have not been. (laughs) So I feel like you can kind of make up for that. You kind of fudge the numbers there. Um, And I like a lot of their other pieces as solid, you know, decent players. I I do think the biggest question marks are, you know, I I wish they had that one guy that you could really count on. You know, and I don't love that shooters that guy. Yeah.
2: I kind of think Ilyasova is going to be bigger than expected. Because, like, on the Sixers last year, before they got rid of him and let Dario do Dario things, Ilyasova was, like, he was the key to Embiid breaking out. Like, Embiid needed a stretch four next to him, and Ilyasova filled that role very well. So especially because Deadman is somewhat limited offensively, I think having Ilyasova there as that stretch four presence... It's gonna be big for the Hawks. And Sarah, I'm I i do not think you're crazy. Like <laughs> I I at first for a while I was saying they're gonna be the worst team, and then I looked at the Bulls and realized Zach Levine's gonna be out until February probably and there's no competing with them. But like there is a four or five teams in the East, like I'd say the top nine are pretty well separated. And mm-hmm. then like the Bulls are the <laughs> separated at the bottom. But then you have Brooklyn, the Knicks the Pacers, Orlando, the Hawks, like any one of those teams could feasibly finish 10th or 14th in the East. Like it's not, they're all going to be in that like 25 to 32, 33 win range. So it's going to be close, I think. So I don't know. They might not be, I don't think they're going to be Bulls bad anymore. I'll say that much.
0: (laughs) Well, I've figured out why Sarah why you're so high on the Hawks because I just noticed or remembered that Marco Bellinelli is on the team. I
3: th- You know I, lo- I love me some Bellinelli. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Like he probably adds like 10 wins to your total.
3: Mm-hmm. alone, yeah, sure. <laughs> Dwayne's at least like 5. Yeah. Right. So right there.
2: All right, yeah. let's keep the factory of sadness going. We're going to move on to the Orlando Magic. <laughs> so sad. Uh, oh my god. A lot of are the Magic finally going to let Eric Gordon play the four? Is it going to happen this year? I don't know what
4: they're doing to him, but like I feel like they're sucking all the talent out of him, like <laughs> year by year, to where there's just going to be a complete waste. Like I feel terrible for him. I was so excited. I thought he was going to be like this game changer. And then if you don't utilize a player like he needs to be utilized, like good luck, you know. Mm-hmm. And I I just don't I don't know what they're doing, and I feel like. On paper, the roster doesn't even look that bad. Like I have guys I like in there, but then I'm like, what's the narrative here? Like I can't figure <laughs> out what their strategy is, or like how these guys are gonna like meld into one another. I-, I don't know. This the magic just confused me so much.
2: Yeah, we Mort and I have basically railed against them for the last year. <laughs> like it's it's kind of getting bad. So. <laughs> More, I, I mean, they like the Blazers last summer and the Wizards last summer. The Magic also made some ill advised spending splurges, most notably Bismack Biyombo on a four year, seventy plus million dollar deal, which seemed to portend the end for Nick Vucevic. It seemed like, all right, you're bringing Biyombo in. He obviously can't play next to Vucevic. You're going to trade Vucevic, right? And then they didn't. And Vuce started 55 of his 75 games or something like that. So what did the Magic do about having two centers who can't play together?
0: You know, I'm sitting here and I'm trying to come up with something clever. And all I realize is that I'm really, really depressed about this team. So I can't even give you anything clever i'm not
4: sure you know what this is this reminds me of though you know how boston like hoards draft picks i feel like orlando yeah. just hoards players that could be good in other systems <laughs> right. but then they don't know how to use them so they're just sitting there yeah. you know and like sell i
2: sell them for like pennies on the dollar
4: right like and then they're like oh wait well, well we didn't figure this one out like let's try another guy and then they like you know sign someone to way too much money and it just continues on that path
2: yeah. Yeah, they did like Mo Harkless, they gave away for a top 55 protected pick. And now he's starting in Portland. Ugh.
0: <laughs> I'm probably playing Vucevic as a 4. I oh. Mean, yeah, I know. What? Hey, what?
1: I I didn't what? make Aaron the Gordon
0: roster, Brian.
3: No, 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 no.
0: I'm not I'm not saying I'm not saying he should start. Relax. Oh, okay. Come on.
2: <laughs>
0: Calm yourself, damn it. I okay. hate this too. Yeah. I mean, I'm, what I mean is I'm probably splitting the minutes with him at the four and five because he needs to get mm. minutes. He's better than, than Bismarck yeah. Biombo is, a, as, as far as I'm concerned. But you you kind of have to play Bismarck when you're paying him 17 goddamn millions. <laughs> I mean, God, that contract is just... But no, I mean, you unleash Aaron Gordon. That's really all I'm focused on. Uh, I'm not, mm-hmm. And not and Jonathan Isaac, I suppose. Yeah, like, I mean, you see what you got. I hope that Isaac is a stud, but not for the magic's sake, for his sake, because mm-hmm. they they really shouldn't be rewarded with anything. They are <laughs> they are the Southeast <laughs> Division's bulls.
2: Yeah, that's a fair way to put it. However, um, oh.
0: Mario Sonia. I don't think he's as bad as we all think. I think he's stuck in a bad system i think he's stuck in a bad culture and i think when he gets out of dodge he's gonna look better not he's not gonna live up to his draft uh his draft hype or his draft slot but he's gonna live Mm. up to something you know being a productive player i think he's got every tool in the back to be that and it, it boggles my mind why he hasn't given been given more chances as well so
2: yeah do you think a team should be trying to buy low on him then
0: Oh, for sure. Like, I don't understand why it seemed like the Hawks, as we just talked about before, aren't mm-hmm. all over this guy. Or, you know, the Bulls or Pacers, honestly. Like, East yeah. teams who look really bad, who are going to rebuild, should look to trade for Hisonya. Like, start off easy. Just offer a second round or see if they bite. It's the magic they
4: might.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, if they want to trade, if they want more in their front court, they watch a little Okafor, I would happily take him. <laughs>
4: Hazonia. No, don't put Okafor through this.
2: <laughs> I mean, he's already suffering in Philly. He's he's just gonna be in trouble until he kid. gets out of his rookie contract. Um, Sarah, I mean, we we talked a little bit about Hazonia, but like just like every position, basically they have a logjam at the two and the three too. They got Terrence Ross, who they got in the Ibaka trade. They have Evan Fournier. They sign your boy Jonathan Simmons, they have a flalo, and they have Hazonia, who is inevitably just going to be buried on the bench and play, like, five minutes and 30 games. So how do you see them divvying up the minutes at the two and the three?
3: I'm going to tell you that in my notes, the very first note that I made for the Magic, I just wrote in capital letters, WTF? <laughs> <laughs> that's, really, Me too. that's really all I have, like. It's such a shame because they had, like, they signed, they brought over um, Chad Fourcier, who's, I think, one of the best player development guys you can have. But it's not even about that because you can't develop guys when you keep having these log jams at certain positions. Like, first they hoarded all these front court guys. Now they have every shooting guard slash maybe <laughs> forward that, you know, they could find. I don't understand why you know that's really their biggest problem and we we we've said that for probably years now is roster construction it just doesn't make sense i think they have what could be a decent team and i thought that a few years ago they had some pieces that i really liked but they shipped a bunch of them off to bring in things that didn't fit and that's really all i have to say oh, you, <laughs> jeff, <laughs> you mean
0: jeff green on a one-year 15 million dollar deal <laughs> yeah i thought that was right. brilliant by the way yeah
2: yeah all right they sent out tobias harris for salary dumps and yeah. then Spend use that on the money they jeff saved green. on jeff green yeah
0: oh good lord like rob hannigan he just got hired in oklahoma mm. which is like fine I, I mean but he really screwed the pooch on this one and here's here's what i'm kind of confused about when you look at what what his reign in orlando like he did poorly right and he got fired within i don't know even know how long he was there like three or four Four years four or five years yeah yeah. yeah, something along those lines like if then you put that in contrast to Garpax, who's done (laughs) a worse job over the past five or six years and they get a vote of confidence from ownership that just goes to show how much ownership really has to say in all these things like In Orlando, Mm -hmm. they're kind of desperate because they want to be relevant really soon because the ownership is old and yada, 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 want to see some success. It's I think we, as podcasters and writers and everything, we need to pay more attention to ownership and the dictations that they put through everything because otherwise it's just not a fair market for general managers. I mean, Hannigan getting, getting sacked was... You could argue it was oh he should have been given a larger chance because look at the Bulls or you could say oh well the Bulls are just idiots and they should have fired their team you know five years ago, so right. But it's it's worth mentioning that ownership here, especially in Orlando's case, really you know plays a vital role in how they are they go about their rebuilding or building structure uh, mentality.
2: Yeah, I think that's a fair point, although a counterpoint would be a lot of their moves over the last five years have been kind of these short-term win-now moves. Mm. And they finally seem to have realized, like, oh, we can't shortcut our way into championship contention or even a playoff spot. Like, yeah,
4: There's no winning now. That's not yeah. an option.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right. So they finally seem to have embraced a rebuild, but, like, even still, why are you signing Aaron Aflalo if you have done that. And why like, you're making your franchise
0: point guard a non shooter. Right. That's, well, so that's
2: yeah, that's that's my next question. I wanna be I want to be slightly positive about the magic because we've just cracked <laughs> on them for ten minutes. So in Alfred Payton's defense, he did play somewhat well after the All Star break last year. He averaged around like fourteen points, eight assists, seven rebounds, something like that. Um, he did fall into Frank Vogel's doghouse at some point earlier in the year, and they do again. They brought in, I think, Shelvin Mack, who they signed. They still have DJ Augustine, so they have other options if he again falls in the doghouse. But Alana, let's say Alfred carries over that post All-Star break momentum, comes in the year hot. He's in a contract year, or if he doesn't sign an extension, which presumably he will not, he's going to be a restricted free agent next summer. So what can he do this year to prove to the Magic that he should be their long-term point guard of the future?
4: See, I kind of took this as the other way around of like how they can convince him to stay at this point or want to stay, Mm -hmm. because I feel like he has the capability of being more than he is right now, but it's going to take the right people around him. Um, And the way that the Magic have been... Uh, you can't really even call it a rebuild. Just the way that they've been stacking up their roster um, doesn't make any sense, like I said earlier. So I feel like it's less of what he can do. And it's because I feel like no matter what he does, they don't really seem to have a plan in place. So it's kind of like, oh, well, if they happen to want him to stick around, you know, they're going to make that happen. And if not, it's not really, I don't see what they're going to be basing that on. Um, so I don't know if I were him, I would want to get the hell out of there. Um, but it kind of depends, I guess what the future holds. I just, it's just so confusing to me. Um, having him there right now with the guys that are in place. Like, as I said, I just don't, I don't really see where their head is at. It's not a rebuild because you have guys, you know, that are talented enough, like a and Ross, but then you have young guys who should be on a rebuilding team. It's, it's a hot mess. I don't I don't really know <laughs> what
2: else to say. That's the best way to describe the Magic, just a steaming hot mess. Yeah. Boy, it sounds like you are not sold on the Alfred Payton era in Orlando.
0: I just can't imagine a team being successful with a starting point guard who can barely break 30% from downtown, not in mm. today's league, which is a shame because, don't get me wrong, I like him. He plays well. Had he been in the 80s, I would have loved him. Loved yeah. him. Because his energy, his defensive activity, his intensity level love all of it. But the guy can't shoot. It's a Ricky Rubio syndrome all over again and again. Mm-hmm. I like Ricky Rubio but the dude still cannot shoot. Meaning there's this, the, the, the ceiling is just lowered because of it. It's a new day. It's a new age. If you can't do those specific things, you're not going to meet a whole lot of success. I mean That's just the way the cookie crumbles, and again, we still see a lot of players who can't shoot get drafted somewhat high. I mean, just we talked about Okafor briefly. I mean, that was another one. Mm
4: -hmm. I do think it depends on the system, though, because there are teams who need point guards who can carry more of the offensive load, and then there are teams who, you know, if they're stacked with shooters elsewhere, it's not as important, although I do definitely agree that, like, you don't really have much of a place in this league now if you're, you know, Mm -hmm. if that's not... Uh, in your skill set but I feel like it also has to do with you know being successful and in this system it's just not working
0: yeah like if you are and we're going to talk about this team momentarily the the Wizards and you have John Wall who's a shaky shooter he's improving but shaky uh, and you you kind of have great shooters alongside him and Bradley Beal and Otto Porter yeah then you could get away with it but as you alluded to Alana like in Orlando yeah, hot mess. You can't really rely on anyone else. I mean, sure, you 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 have uh Evan Fournier, then then what? Like Ross? Yeah, not feeling that one. Ross isn't a bad shooter. No, but I'm not I mean, he's not a high volume guy who's going to yeah. draw defenses the way like a Kevin Durant would, right? I mean, he's not right. the type of right, guy right, who's right. just going to I mean, you know what you get with him, and because you know what you're going to get, you're going to get an open dunk or you get a consistent three point attempt. Like, it's easier to guard.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to give the Sunshine and Rainbows take for the Magic. I'm going to at least cautiously predict that Peyton does carry over his hot play. I think you just need shooters around him. And I think part of the problem, more and Alana, as you both alluded to, is like, Aaron Gordon's not a great shooter. So when you played him at the three, especially, it was like Fournier was the only shooter on the damn floor. So once they got Ross, put him into the starting lineup, moved Gordon to the four, and now you have Fournier and Ross, that's at least a little more. Your spacing's a little bit better. So I'm going to say, like, a- unless they just do stupid magic things and put like Jonathan Simmons in the starting lineup... They're gonna have Fournier and Ross starting alongside Peyton. I think he plays well. I think Fournier bounces back. I think Ross actually has a really good year. He was, you know, he got lost in Toronto behind Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, but I think he's a good player. So I like there is an avenue for the Magic to finally start putting things together. But and like their coach, Frank is a good coach. Yeah. But I'm just like the last five years make me think. It's just going to be another, what, 32-win season for the Magic? Somewhere around there? Yeah. All right, let's finish things up with the Washington Wizards, who you know had a great year last year. Their top three guys are all just monsters. Their bench, on the other hand, was not great. Like, Trey Burke was basically the anchor of their bench. So, unsurprisingly, every time they went to their bench... They started getting blown off before, which really came back to bite them in the Boston Celtics series in the second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. So over the summer, they brought in, they traded for Tim Frazier. They signed Jody Meeks and Mike Scott. Alana, do you think that's enough to keep them afloat once Wall and Beal are catching a breath on the bench?
4: I always get criticized for my view on the Wizards, but they just don't really impress me, and it has nothing to do with John Wall um, because he's obviously an enormous talent, um, and I think that he deserved the contract he got, um, and he you know, he's rightfully the face of their franchise. I, It's just one of those teams to me, though, that like, on paper, they look good and individually, you know, there's talent there, but like, I don't know, I guess, you know, maybe it is just what you're saying that the their starters are great, and then afterwards it's kind of like, okay, then what, you know? So the mm-hmm. momentum of their game is like, they're great when, you know, those few couple guys are running things and are, are you know, high-volume shooters, and then they just hit, hit this wall of, well, now, you know, guys need to rest, and then these other guys come in and it's kind of like, okay, this is kind of what the team looks like now. Um, so, you know, people have them being great in the east this year and i'm just not impressed by them i don't i don't see them doing as well as people think
2: interesting oh well, we will have our predictions for the conference or for the, the division after we wrap things up here so i'm excited to hear you have the wizards now <laughs> uh, uh sarah Otto porter had a monster year last year it signed a four-year max deal over the summer after the Wizards, the Wizards didn't offer it to him. The Nets signed him to that offer sheet. The Wizards matched because that's how it was always going to go. Do you think that career best year carries over into this year, or do you think he, like Kent Bazemore, kind of takes a step back after signing that massive deal?
3: I think he can maintain. Just looking mm-hmm. at the numbers, he made these incremental improvements each year. Like you know, there was not any huge jump. So there's nothing, to me, that feels like he can't keep that up. Um, Probably the most impressive thing is some of his his shooting percentages last Mm -hmm. year. Um, So, you know, maybe that fluctuates a little bit. But otherwise, I mean, it wasn't like he had, like, 20 points per game. He's at 13.4 last year, up from 11.6 the year before. Uh, rebounding numbers just up like six. I mean, he he had a good solid year, and there's no reason for me to think that that he can't repeat that. At least I don't know that he's gonna make another leap, um, but I think he'll definitely be around that level again.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he. <laughs> this is a topic near and dear to my heart since Otto was a Georgetown mm-hmm. guy for two years. Um, yeah, this is who he is, right? Like he he was the number three pick and then didn't impress right away, so Wizards fans quickly soured on him, he's not going to ever be a 25-point-per-game scorer. Like, he's best cast as this complimentary, do-it-all third option on offense, which, when Wall and Beel are healthy, that's the role he can fill. And, like, we've seen this in Washington the last couple of years before Otto, it was Trevor Ariza. Mm-hmm. Like, John Wall is excellent at finding open corner three shooters. And Otto... Added that to his game, uh, he was not that consistent of a shooter back in his Georgetown days. He had to be more of a takeover scorer, um, but like now he can kind of fill that Trevor Ariza role and then some. So you know he's come a long way from like being the to the Fool, <laughs> the wing version of Jabail McGee on to a Fool. Uh, and I'm thrilled to see him. I'm really happy he got rewarded for his you know for his solid play. I think he's going to be a big part of the Wizards puzzle this year. But I'm with you, Sarah. I don't think he's, like, going to break out as a 20-point-per-game scorer. I think somewhere, like, you know, kind of... I don't want to say he's going to, like, be Andre Iguodala in Philly, but, like, that's more of the role he can fill. Like, he's an underrated passer, too. So I could see him doing, like, 15-7-4 kind of at his ceiling.
0: Oh, I think, um, I think a little bit more.
2: <laughs> okay, yeah, I didn't... I didn't want to come off as a homie. That's
4: fine. (laughs) No hot takes here. Yeah. I
0: think when you sign a max deal, especially in this climate now where general managers are a little bit more hesitant to give out these big deals, I think there's going to be like an expectation of of greater production. Whether that's going to come right away, I think it's definitely in their plans to have more plays run for him and and Mm. try to shape him into being like a more, uh, take more ownership of the offense. I don't think they are at all satisfied with 13 a game. I think they've. Mm-hmm. I think the Wizards are looking at it. Well, that's a great place to start. That's a great place to go mm. from here, and they would probably like to see him end up at like 17, 18 a game. Also noteworthy, like he shot 43 from downtown. Um, he actually shot only 42 on corners. That's not only that's a good percentage, but he shot better mm-hmm. above the break. Miami. Oh, interesting! Yeah, and that was uh, there, there. have been written a mm. few articles about like his versatility as a shooter. He, mm-hmm. uh, like from from inside the arc as well, he is one of those pure shooters who can just who is efficient virtually everywhere around the floor that he is. Yeah, uh, I would probably sacrifice a little bit of that efficiency for great volume because he's he was mm-hmm. like he had a true shooting percentage of sixty three last year. If that declines to like sixty, but his volume goes up, I'll take it. Of course, he I'll only take took
3: it. ten shots a game. Mark, ex- that's a good point. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Like if you bump that shot total up to just thirteen, just three more shots a game, even four, just one more shot a quarter, really. Why not? Why not? I mean, he yeah. could make the most of it. Um, so, so I'm, I'm definitely on the auto. Porter could get even better. Also, by the way, I just want to point out he let the league last year in turnover percentage like the he kept he, he made sure that he didn't turn the ball over a lot. He only had a turnover mm. percentage of four point nine. He's
4: That's still he, relatively young too, right? I think yeah. he's twenty like he's only twenty four or 24. something. 24. Yeah.
0: yeah. So I think he is a lot better than people you know give him credit for. He's kinda mm. like Jimmy Butler, like low turnover has the, but but efficient and efficient, although he's like reverse butler in the sense that he's efficient as a shooter, whereas Butler was efficient as a free throw shooter and that's probably Mm. the next step for for Porter as well because he only got to the line one and a half times a game last Mm. season which is a ridiculously low number for a guy almost 33 minutes a night so that's also part of the plan I hope for the Wizards they Mm -hmm. I mean last year they had Wall and Beal average what 23 apiece sounds right yeah, yeah something along those lines they need him they need him to like spread it out just a little bit more, and when they do that, the big three is there.
2: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> shout out to all my Syracuse people out there. I know you remember when he single-handedly murdered your zone. Like as you alluded to more, he's you know he catches the ball at the elbow. He's really dangerous there as both a shooter and a playmaker. So yeah, it, it would be nice to see them run a little bit more offense through him, and maybe. That's part of your cure to your crappy bench is give him more minutes with the bench. You can, you know, you can lean on Kelly Oubre a little bit more with Wall and Beal, and then have Porter as the anchor with Frazier and Meeks and Scott, and see if if that helps. Yeah, I think they just need to
4: blend the two units a little bit better so that it's not the stop and go of like we're doing great, and then you know now we have to pick up kind of the pieces from what the bench did you know and then you're falling behind type of thing if they can find a way to to blend it and i you know i think that there is potential for the bench it's just that right now there's such a stark difference between guys like wall and then you know guys who have to come behind him
2: Mm -hmm. yeah and jody meeks is like he's struggled through a lot of injuries in the last couple years so he is no sure thing uh they also have so like, like Orlando, they also went spending last summer. They brought in Ian Mahinme. I think it was four years, $64 million. And again, it kind of seemed like you bring him in, Gortat is probably on his way out. Then Mahimi got hurt, missed half the year, didn't do much when he came back. Sarah, what do you think they do about Gortat and Mahinme? Do you think they have to... Yeah, are they going to keep both of them, or do you think one of them might be on the market, or oh, not one of them? No one's trading well, for Mahinmi. Do yeah. you think more time is on the market at some
3: point? This <laughs> That's year? the problem. And personally, I would want to do that because I love the Polish Hammer. I don't want. To, <laughs> I wouldn't want it? to move him. Exactly. So, uh, it's a tough spot. I just want to see Mahinmi come in and uh, be be somewhat, you know, productive. Be healthy. Be able to run some pick and roll maybe he could even come off the bench, and, you know, be a role man off the bench and help mm-hmm. that unit. I don't know, but I would love to see that happen. I don't know that he uh, I don't think he can ever justify the money that they threw at him, but mm-hmm. if he could maybe salvage it a little bit because yeah, I mean it isn't a great situation to have those two guys, but I wouldn't want to give up Gortat just because you've made a mistake financially. Yeah.
2: I think, especially given their high hopes this season, it would leave them perilously thin behind Mahimi if they gave up Gortat and didn't get a center in return. And Gortat's played really well in that starting lineup. Like, we've yeah. <laughs> the last fifteen minutes, we've all been saying the starting lineup is great. It's the rest of the team that needs work. So I don't know why you would blow up your strongest part of your team just because you, you know they they don't need the money this year. Like they're capped out regardless. So it's not like. They're not going to sign a big name free agent in November. Like, you you made your choices at this point. Just deal with it and recalibrate next summer if you need to, I think. And that's Um,
0: why they screwed up this year as well as last year. Because before they signed Otto Porter, mm -hmm. Porter had, you know, he had a significant capital because he was the third pick, but it wasn't 25 million deep. mm -hmm. So this was the summer to offer up future first round draft picks for someone to someone for taking on Mahimi so they could mm. get another guy in free agency and then re-sign Porter. They didn't go that route. That's the problem. They even even yeah. if they had to give up two first round picks, that would have been steep as hell. But if they had an insurance for some guy, why not? Why the hell not? That would have been so much better because Mahimi is like you guys said, like now their their opportunity is gone. Now they're paying Wall, they're paying Beal, they're paying Porter. So the cap flexibility has gone out of the way, but that wasn't the case on July first. So they Mm -hmm. should have positioned themselves a lot better going into this summer. So not only did they mess up with Mahimi last season, they did so as well this year.
2: Yeah, I mean we talked about it when Porter signed that deal, like come twenty nineteen when Wall's max contract kicks in, I think they're basically capped out already with those four guys on the books alone. So like this is the Wizards' core for the future. And it feels like they're going to run into what the Clippers did with Paul, Griffin, and Jordan, where like you just don't have the money to build a real team around them, especially once Gortat and Morris, I think they both come up for free agency in 2019. So if either of those guys leave, it's like, you can't replace them. All you have is the mid-level exemption. So, Godspeed. You, you better hope <laughs> Kelly Oubre Jr. turns into a superstar.
4: I actually uh, like him, but... I, I'm probably the only one left at this point.
2: <laughs> I, I like him. I don't know if he's
4: going like, to, like... I
2: what his he ceiling he is. Needs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we
0: shouldn't talk so, so you know, so loud about Ubre being bad after two years because so was Otto Porter, and we crapped on him, and yeah. Otto Porter went, hey, hey, everyone, shut the hell up. <laughs> I did not
2: crap on Otto Porter, for the record. No, that's I... because
0: you're a blatant homer, but that's different.
4: Yeah, <laughs> right.
2: My wife's <laughs> brother is a giant uh wizards man and he crapped all over out porter. I was like, just you wait. Just you wait. (laughs) So now I kinda want I should buy him an Auto Porter jersey for Christmas. That's a good one. Yeah. Um so (laughs) boy we heard a lot of saying she does not think the Wizards are gonna be as good as projected. Do you think if Wall and Beal stay healthy, could they be a sneaky dark horse for the number one seed in the East? Oh, uh, not
0: not the number one seat. I don't think. I, I think Boston or Cleveland has that one pretty locked up. Either or, you know, for mm-hmm. them to go past both, probably not. Maybe one. I mean, theoretically, Boston could implode a little bit because they have to like find their chemistry and and find their rhythm and something like that. But not number one. I, I don't. I don't see that as as being a relevant expectation. But. High, sure. Like, number three? Better than the Raptors? Possibly. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wouldn't put him past it. John Wall, to me, is one of just the absolute best, not just point guards, but players in the game. And we consistently undervalue him um, as analysts and podcasters and whatnot, because there are always these uh, sweet shooting or high-flying players on the other side of the country. And Steph Curry and Russ Westbrook and Dame Lillard and John is is consistently the forgotten man, but this guy goes out and plays both ends of the court. Unlike Westbrook, the MVP. <clears throat> um, oh my God! Never gonna, never gonna <laughs> oh. accept that one. Never gonna accept that one. Uh, and and while still putting up twenty three a game and what ten assists, I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> come on, that's ridiculous. Like what he's doing is ridiculous.
2: Yeah, he's unreal. I mean, I, I think I'm with you in that number one is probably unrealistic, but like. W- Depending on how long Isaiah Thomas is out with this hip injury, like, I don't know. I could I could see it's within the realm of possibility that they're number two, but like, Beale is also. His know, name is LeBron he, James. So. Yeah, but so. like, Derek, his yeah, name is Derek Rose. The Miami Rose.
4: Heat still exists. Thank you.
2: <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> All right. So let's go into it. A lot of. How do you have. Uh, what's your projected order of finish for the division?
4: I have the heat going first, which is probably no surprise to anyone. Um, I just... I feel like you have to have really watched this team last year. And I I understand why people um, aren't as, like... Not even excited, but they just don't have as much faith in the team um, that aren't, like, devout followers of them. Because I feel like a lot of what's going on and what, what has me, like just believe in them, you know, happens kind of off the court and behind the scenes, um, but I have them first. I do have the Wizards after them just because I, I mean, in this, between, what, Orlando and the Hawks, like, <laughs> I have to put the Wizards second, um, and then I guess I would put Charlotte above the Hawks and then the Orlando coming last. Um, right. Yeah, so... But I, de- I def I, I don't personally think that the Wizards can get the one or the two, or I don't even think they can take the three spot in the East. But I could be very wrong. So
2: interesting. Where, out of curiosity, where do you have the Heat? Or I mean, if you haven't done like a full set of standing. no,
4: I mean, it's hard because I feel like both Boston and Cleveland, um, like Mort said, are going to have to kind of refigure themselves out a little bit with, you know, the the trade that happened. Um, But I don't know. I feel like honestly, I think the Heat could be like four or five if if we don't get injured and if things go according to plan um, that that I mean, I'm high on them right now. So
2: I think it's possible. That's not like that's a lukewarm take. I don't think it's scalding hot.
4: Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, give me like a week into the season, and I'll be like, "We're taking the East, like yeah. everyone else." Um, but right now, I'm trying to be as realistic as possible. LeBron is still LeBron. I really hate the Celtics, so I hope that they crash and burn as hard as possible. You are welcome um, but there is back any there. time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, next yeah. time I come on, I'll wear my "Fuck the Celtics" shirt, and we'll have a blast here. Um, but yeah, I can't stand them. So, and Toronto's kind of. One of those teams that you know could go either way for me too. So the East is is really it's it's hard to tell, but in a way that makes it fun because it's kind of anyone's for the taking.
2: Yeah, it's it's totally wide open at this point, especially after the it Kyrie trade. Yep. Uh, Sarah, how do you have the division finishing?
3: I went Wizards, Heat second, Hornets, Hawks, Magic. Um, you, you know, I feel like uh, Heat and Hornets might be close, but they, like you said, they're going to struggle shooting-wise, the Hornets still. I mean, they added... I will say that when I did my configuration here, I did not uh, think about Malik Monk. I think because he was hurt, I, I didn't mm. think about him actually being a part of the team still. Um, and I don't know if that would change my mind or, or not. But but I do have some faith in the Heat, so I think I'm going to leave them second. I like it. Uh, Morit, how about you?
0: Wizards first. Heat second solely because Malik Monk might be out for a long while. Um, Mm -hmm.
4: That's literally the only reason you guys think that Charlotte won't overtake the Heat. Like, I'm just blown (laughs) away right now. Yeah,
3: yeah. (laughs) Not the only one.
4: (laughs) No, I'm like, I'm not even trying. I'm not hating at all. Like, I'm totally like, I'm just curious. Like, what I guess, like, my my curiosity is what makes you not like have faith in the Heat? No, it's not
0: that I don't have faith in the Heat. It's more that. I have a lot of faith in Kemba Wall, a uh, Kemba Walker, okay, of course. Fair mm-hmm. and yeah. I like Brian. I also think there is like a, a reason for optimism with Dwight in there because they needed a rebounder. He sure as mm-hmm. hell is going to help them in that area and defensively. And if you have a healthy roster and you have like a Nicholas Batum who might actually settle himself in nicer with at Dwight Howard there. Mm-hmm. then I think like the, the the sum of all those moving parts are actually going to be pretty significant. Plus, I love their coaching. I love the fact that, you know, how they approach the entire game. I mean, mm-hmm. they're defensive-oriented, and that just wins. That just wins games. Uh, how, I will say this, however, and that's going to please you. If, they, if the Heat and Hornets met in the playoffs, I would probably mm-hmm. have more faith in the Heat than I would the Hornets.
2: Yeah, because Dwight will go
0: missing in the playoffs yeah. as usual. Yeah, white <laughs> Whiteside would just obliterate him. Completely. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Oh my god. So, so that's yeah. that's my reasoning. Trust me, I'm definitely not down on the Heat at all. I mean, they, despite my sort of skepticism, if those kind of contracts, remember, all good contracts, but for the same team to sign all yeah. of those deals, yeah. Like, I still think it's a good, damn good team. And Whiteside again, he's a star. I mean. Uh, he's just not, like, one of those uber superstars but that doesn't mm-hmm. matter. And, again, Bam out of bio. I mean, if he comes out of nowhere <laughs> and just becomes, like, a Rookie of the Year candidate, then you are definitely free to correct me daily on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'll hold you to that one.
0: Yeah, definitely.
3: <laughs> and then,
0: I have Orlando 4th, and Atlanta 5th, because, oh. you know, I, I do not like Orlando at all, but... Look at what the Hawks are working with. I'm sorry, Sarah. Yeah. I know Deckman <laughs> and okay. Bellinelli and All Budenholzer. Right. I I know that you know the Spurs tree is just so alive in Atlanta, and you are you're just looking over it. And like, oh, that's that's the Spurs of the East, but no, no, <laughs>
2: not, anymore. not anymore. It was yeah, angry. that is dead. you have
0: to accept it. Like I, I'm not sure at what which point in your grieving process. I
3: think it's denial right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've not been the same since Tim retired. You can't expect much that's of me. <laughs> At least
2: you got Manu still. That's true. So far. Um, <laughs> so I guess I'm the only one. I have the Wizards first. I have the Hornets second. I'm sorry, Alana. Oh, that's have,
4: okay. I'll forgive Heat, you.
2: I have the Heat third, Magic fourth, and Hawks fifth. And frankly, Mort, you just like, you explained everything All the reasons I'm optimistic about the Hornets. So thank you for that. It really is just, I, there's less margin for error with them than there is the heat because of their lack of depth behind Kemba. But I just think Kemba hit a new level last year. I am a Dwight apologist. I think, (laughs) as you said more, I think Nick Batum's going to settle in better as a third option than number two. Marvin Williams started slow last year. He bounced back by the end of the year. Um, you know, if this if this ankle injury for Monk is serious, that might change things. But Monk and Lamb off the bench gives them something. Uh MCW's garbage, but it, hopefully they'll get a point card in there, and that'll help I'll alleviate those concerns. But I, I think both of those teams are going to be in the like the four, five, six, seven yeah. conversation in the East.
0: Charlotte and um, Miami could probably end up with completely similar records. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I have them very close. Yeah. I mean, it's not like... I don't have Charlotte way ahead of the heat. Um, and then Magic and Hawks, it's the same thing. I, I think this is the year where they, the Magic like start to it. Just play Aaron Gordon at the four. That's all you have to do. You'll win 35 games if you play Aaron Gordon at the four. Just... <sighs> well, so I think...
0: Uh, I think the addition of Jonathan Isaac, for me, is the one that actually moves the needle. That dude is good, and he's defensively yeah. oriented. He's a 6'11", long-arm defender who can shoot. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting a little little bit of a, like a Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo package going there. Just not at the same caliber, obviously. But but he's in Orlando, so they're going to waste his the talent. And then he's going to go elsewhere. That is also why I, can, I have them at fourth, at least. Because if he's going to break out big time, then, you know... Theoretically, they could go higher up, but no, that's not going to happen. And he's probably going to wound out anyway in a few years. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Enjoy, um, enjoy I... the few years of a coming superstar, Orlando. <laughs>
2: yeah. You wasted Eric Gordon. Remember, so remember least...
0: Shaq? Four years yeah. and then adios. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, God. All right. Um, Alana, how many teams do you have making the playoffs out of this division?
4: Um,. Two to three. I guess I'd say three. I think I think uh, the Heat, Wizards, and Hornets will probably be okay. Um, the Hornets I'm a little bit concerned about just because of the whole Michael Carter-Williams lack of a backup for Kemba, but um,
3: there's still time to rectify that. So,
2: Yeah. Um, Sarah, how about you?
3: Yeah, and the rest of the East is so <laughs> uninspired. Um, right. Yeah, I, I would go three as well. Wizards, Heat, Hornets. Because, I mean, who do you have as locks beyond that? It's Boston. Boston's in, Toronto's in, Cleveland's in, Milwaukee's in, Washington's in. I think the 76ers are going to make the playoffs this year. I hey. actually kind of feel like they are hey. too. Don't, yeah. encourage him, Always, don't,
2: back. <laughs> don't encourage him. Don't
0: encourage him.
3: I'm excited. Yeah. But yeah, so that's, you know, three spots that are up for grabs for sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think that final spot comes down the Detroit and Philly. I think Miami and Charlotte are both comfortably in. What about you, Mort?
0: Yeah, two or three, probably three. Uh, I think I think something has to go terribly, terribly wrong for the Wizards or or he for one of them not to get in. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's gotta be a Kemba injury. That's you. I mean, because they, you know. It, the Zeller yeah. thing really... like The Hornets would have made the playoffs last year if Zeller didn't get hurt. Mm. So now they have backup for yeah. Zeller, Howard, but now they don't have backup for Kemba. Yeah, so now you just said
0: it, so you jinxed him. He's going to go yeah, down... Yeah, I to you really jinxing him this whole 50, time. games, and I'm going <laughs> to totally send him this podcast so he can get <laughs> pissed at you on, on Twitter afterwards. Knock wood. Yeah.
2: The, the Philly sports curse of death. If I like you, you're going to get hurt. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, that will wrap things up for today's episode. Again, Alana, thank you for joining us. Uh, just give our listeners one more reminder where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find your work.
4: You can find me at Alana Tahauer on Twitter. Um, and then I write for All You Can Heat and Hoops Habit covering the Chicago Bulls. And those are both fan-sided sites. Thank you so much for having me on.
2: For sure, yeah. Be, oh, everyone you. be sure to check Alana's work out, especially if you are into the heat. Uh, in bulls. the meantime, good hoops <laughs> content, yeah. And the bulls, there we go. No one wants to read about the bulls. Lord. Come on.
4: <laughs> Sad truth, yes. That's
2: that's, that's I, I have nothing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the meantime, give us a follow at the NBA Pod on Twitter. You can find all of our Twitter handles in our bio as well. Check us out on iTunes. Please subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We would love any feedback. We're being hosted this year on Fanrag Sports. So check them out on Twitter at Fanrag Sports and for their NBA content at Fanrag NBA. Until next time, I'm Brian Toporek and I was joined by Morton Jensen, Sarah chilea and Alana Tahauer. Have a good one, everyone. You too,
1: Clearance. For clearance.